Hello, welcome back to Mathematically Speaking. I am your host, Adam Allred, and today we'll be discussing probability theory through the story of Blaise Pascal. I'll be... I'll call him Pascal, because I don't want to butcher the French pronunciation of Blaise. I know that's not how it's actually pronounced. But I'll start with a a rundown or a background of what the politics and economics were like in 17th century France, um, what the philosophers at the time were thinking and discussing, uh, because I believe that mathematics is a social thing, and it is new innovations and such are created because they are necessary, not not just by chance. Um, so the mathematicians are influenced by the world around them, just like philosophers are, or just like anyone is. And then I'll get into his mathematics and what his big impacts were, then a bit into his theology and how that relates to his math, and then how if we take a math the math away, what kind of philosophy do we have to improve our lives. And so, 17th century France, all the kings of the time were, they were in enforcing a more absolutist rule. Everything, uh, there is this idea that God picks the king, and so if you disagree with the king, you disagree with God. And the Catholic Church was the church of the state, and they endorsed the king. So even further, if you're disobeying the king, if you're disobeying, breaking the law, you're disobeying the king, the Catholic Church, and then God. And the Catholic Church was known at the time to come after people who who tried to rock the boat and uh, change the opinions of the masses. Um, and so that did not bode well for philosophers at the time. And they were known as the rationalists. And that's because they were rational thinkers, um, meaning that they tried to take a more rational approach as opposed to intuition, um, as, as opposed to just empirical um empirical thought so like using data it was just can i reason my or logic my way into a conclusion and so they started with the same things that any philosopher starts with and they used reason as opposed to data or intuition or faith or anything like that some of them are francis bacon he was the creator of the scientific method Rene descartes had huge uh findings in geometry John Locke, he was one of the philosophers that had a huge impact on Thomas Jefferson in writing the Declaration of Independence and Constitution. Uh, Spinoza, who was a Spaniard, who was literally on the run for his ideas. Uh, Immanuel Kant, who was an Austrian philosopher. Diderot, David Hume. If those names mean nothing to you, that's totally fine. But all these people, they had a in, in influence during on the... Uh, French Enlightenment, which is what was happening during Blaise Pascal's life, and these ideas, this, indivi this idea of individual liberty arose from these thinkers, and it kind of, not kind of, it had a huge impact on the U.S. Revolution and the French Revolution about a hundred years later, and in a historical timeline sense, that's not that long. So these thoughts came in quick, they came in hard and they had a huge impact right away and then it led to two massive revolutions in countries allowing them to have um, the freedom of liberty and that's something that we might take for granted in a western society 
the truth we believe because we want to believe it. Um, we don't have to, at least most of us don't get killed for our beliefs today. And, but at the time when these thoughts were happening, they were massive. They were groundbreaking, earth shattering. And Pascal had a bit of an impact on that. Um, economics at the time, I'm not sure if economics is the right word for it, but gambling became a thing. Um, it, I'm not saying it started at this time. People have been gambling, but it picked up quickly, and games of chance were very predominant in France in the 17th century. And this is kind of what led Pascal after he uh, got started in mathematics to pursue the math that he did. And so, a little history on him. Uh, his father was a mathematician um, who was a tax collector by trade, and he kept mathematics away from his son. He homeschooled him, but did not teach him any math because he thought that math would be too distracting and that it would keep his son from learning a real trade that would allow him to have a family and such. But his son rebelled and just taught himself math anyways. He found a copy of a textbook on geometry, taught himself math, and his father had no, had no, no choice but to just continue letting him learn. He sent him to live with his uncle, who had the means to give him a proper education, and that's where it all started. The um, he one of his first inventions was a calculator that he made to help his father with his with his work. Um, he had huge impacts in physics and hydrodynamics. He invented a, a hydraulic press, so he was a very very smart man. And by the time he was 25 or so, he had invented a branch of mathematics called probability theory and all it does is tries to quantify randomness or appeared randomness um, he did it with a man named Pierre de Fermat and he was a lawyer by trade and a mathematician by hobby and that was a very common thing to be a mathematician just for fun um, Pascal is quoted as saying that mathematics is a beautiful a beautiful like job it's a beautiful work but it's no more common than being an artisan or an artist so it's a great way to live, but it doesn't really have that big, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like being a lawyer or being a doctor or being a kingsman or anything like that. So at 25, he had uh, invented calculators and hydraulic presses, invented some new methods in physics, and an entire new branch of mathematics. And... So to say that he was a genius was is almost an understatement. It's amazing. But then one day he woke up and said math was for clowns. He said it was for children. He regretted doing it and devoted his life to the Catholic religion. And he took it to a very, very big extreme. Um, he sold all of his possessions except for his Bible to, so that way he could live homeless the way Christ did. And he did not let himself feel any comfort or pleasure. Not just like, pleasure, okay, that kind of makes sense. But not even comfort. Um, he had a barbed chain that he would wrap around his thigh 
and once he got used to that pain, he would then switch legs. And he would just keep switching legs back and forth. So he was in constant pain, and this, to him, made him feel like he was getting closer to God. Uh, I don't want to say that he went crazy, because I don't want people... I don't want to say that people who believe in God are crazy, but that's a very large extreme. And pulling from his mathematics, even though he denounced it, and pulling from the politics and pulling from the philosophy and the economics at the time, he started thinking, well, why should anyone believe in God? You know, like, how can I, how can a person rationally come to the conclusion that belief is a good thing? And so he came up with what we call Pascal's wager. And he's thinking that, well, life is one of the biggest games of chance ever. It's the biggest one. What's at, what's at stake? What's the wager? That's your, well, it's the welfare of your soul. So you have a few options. Either God exists or he doesn't. And then you believe or you don't believe. So if God exists and you do believe, he says you have plus infinity benefit. If God does not exist and you believe still, no change really. If you have a good life, then that's the benefit you get. If you don't, then that's the negative you get. If God does not exist and you don't believe, that is negative infinity benefit. And if God does not exist and you don't believe, again, no change. If you have a good life, that's good. If you don't, well, that sucks. So those numbers come from his math, something called the expected value. It is, you can think of it as like the average outcome of all the events prior to that point. Um, so it's like the predicted value of some variable. If I'm rolling a dice, I want to know what the average number will be or the expected value. I take the number that could show up, so like 1, that's an option on a dice, on a die. I multiply it by 1 sixth, which is the probability of rolling a number on a six-sided dice. And then I add that to the 2 times 1 sixth, and then add that to 3 times 1 sixth, and add that to 4 times 1 sixth, and then to 5 times 1 sixth, and 6 times 1 sixth. Add those numbers together, and I get the average, or the expected value, of uh, rolling a six-sided dice. So this plus infinity, minus infinity, uh, plus one or minus one, that comes up in his wager. Those are where he's getting those numbers, even though there's no real calculations in them. That's the idea. And this was kind of this was huge, because it gave people at the time. A reason to rash a rationale for their belief is that I'm I'm gonna die. That's a given. Um, might as well hedge my bets on the outcome of my of of the eternities. If I if I'm if you're lucky, I don't say you're not lucky. If you hedge your bets right and God exists and you did believe, cool. Then you win. If you don't believe, then you biggest loss ever. But to be fair, um, just to have both sides of the coin, there are a lot of logical holes in his argument, which is why it's not the best argument for the existence of a god, but it's a good argument for someone who's already believing to continue to believe. Because you, well, 
not sure where I was going with that. It's obvious. Because it's either heaven or hell. Plus infinity, minus infinity. Um, but you could use that argument to for any belief system, for any any choice like that. God exists, God does not exist. You believe or you don't believe anything where those that follows that same format. And also, another thing is that the value, the plus infinity, minus infinity, if you don't value those things, then those numbers aren't going to be the same for you. So that's another argument people have against this. But it's a good example of rational thinking, which was big and new at the time. And it kind of shifted. It allowed, it allowed the thinking at the time to continue. Because then people were being able to be rational with their religion. They could be rational with the other things in their life that they were told they shouldn't have a personal thought on. And how does this relate to... Obviously, Pascal's wager can have a relation to someone's life. But how does his math, how does probability theory, how does a quantifying of randomness relate to anyone who isn't a mathematician? So, quantifying randomness, then kind of you have to ask the question, what is randomness? What does it mean to be truly random? And people tend to think that randomness is, means rarity. That if something random happens, then it's a rare thing. However, randomness can be very common. Um, for example, when Apple came out with the iPod the first time, people would listen to music on shuffle. The same song would show up back to back to back. And people are like, well, this is on shuffle mode. It's supposed to be random. Why am I getting the same song? And they sent their complaints. And so Apple fixed the algorithm and made it no longer as random. Because if all the songs are in a hat and you listen to a song, that name, the name of the song goes back in the hat and a hand could reach in and pick out the same song again over and over and over. And that's truly random. As, or as close to truly random as we can artificially create. Um, when you're programming randomness, it has to follow some sort of algorithm or formula. But we can get pretty close. And so, um, yeah, so they changed the algorithm. It's no longer 100% random. But this is also true for, like, other things. So, like, if a tree falls in your car when it's parked, we think, oh, that's so random. It's like, well, no, trees falls all the time. Trees falling is a fairly common thing. They get old. Interior gets kind of rotted away. Maybe there's termites or something, and then the outside structure can't hold, so it falls over. That happens all the time. It's just that it seems random because it fell on your car. Your car just happened to park under it. It sucks, but it's not that random. It's a fairly common thing, but since it does not happen to us every day, it seems mysterious and rare, so we, we call it random. But if random is, can be common... That kind of takes the mysteriousness out of it and kind of makes things seem less special. But this is where I think that the, like the mathematical philosophy could help. Is that since common things that can be seen, seen as random, which means they're not really special anymore, the only thing that's actually special are the things that you make happen. And even the things that aren't special are the things that you make happen and this goes back to the idea of an expected value. Things that happen to you happen to you because they are the most likely thing to have occurred given 
everything that you did previously. If you assigned a numerical value to every event that's happened in your life and the odds of that event happening, and you try to quote-unquote calculate it, then you'd get the average or the expected value of the next event. And that also applies for bad things. Bad things happen to you. It's because everything you did previously lined up to that event. Even if they were good things that happened previously, they lined up to that event. Um, I just thought of a great example for this. If you watch the show Sherlock, the BBC version, with Benedict Cumberbatch, um, there's a scene, hopefully I'm not spoiling this for any of you. If I am, pause it, watch... I think somewhere in season three. One of the episodes, the character that plays uh, John Watson, his wife is discovered to be an ex-assassin and that she was a spy and stuff. And he found all this out and he had no idea. And he's like, well, why does this always happen to me? Why does, why do things happen to me? And Sherlock says, he's like, well, you did it. And John gets mad at him. He's like, well, listen, John, everything you've ever done has led up to this moment. You are why these things are happening to you because of the behaviors you have and of the choices that you keep making. They are those choices are why this choice is why this thing has happened to you, which is why you picked her because you that's why you're best friends with me. It's why you picked her as your wife, et cetera, et cetera. So you can think of it like a mathematical explanation for karma. Uh, good things happen because you do good things. The odds that something happens are, are just the sum of everything that's happened before you. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I want you to, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Adam Elisha. And let me know what you think. If you disagree with me, let me know. If you agree, let me know. Um, any of the opinions on the podcast whatsoever would be great to hear back from you. Uh, I'm still early in this process, so if you have any tips that could help me be a better podcaster, I'd love to hear them. Thank you again for listening, and this is Mathematically Speaking. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.